Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Lakerside Chats. I'm your host as always, Alan Ramich. Today I've got a new guest to the show. Uh, probably a lot of you already listened to his podcast, the Laker Central podcast. Um, recently um, opened up a website as well where they report on Lakers news and give their opinions and whatnot. Uh, Alex, welcome to the show, sir. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Anytime, man. Been a been a while in the making, a bit overdue, mm -hmm. but you know, happy to have you on. Very happy to have you on, man. Thank um, you. Let's just get into it. Um, I know you love talking Lakers. I love talking mm -hmm. Lakers. So I, I think I think this this conversation is going to fly by today. To be honest with you, um, obviously the biggest news coming out from the past seven to ten days was the Rajon Rondo injury, which if you listen to the previous podcast we touched on. Um, but before you know, we move on to what I want to talk about, I want to get your view on the Rondo injury um, just quickly, just so the people know what you're thinking behind it as well. Um, obviously, a bummer for Rondo, and we don't like anyone getting injured, but what's your takeaway from it? You know, it's been reported he'll probably be out six to eight weeks. Um, he's had a number of these hand injuries on both hands. Um, you know, I don't know a whole lot about how or why he got, you know, if it's just a fluke or, or what, but... It's an opportunity, one, for Alex Caruso to get more minutes, uh, maybe for KCP to get more minutes. Obviously, the Lakers, they signed Deion Waiters before the pandemic happened, and then they just brought in J.R. Smith. And so um, it's just an opportunity for the Lakers to play a bit different. Rondo shrinks the court because he can't really shoot. Uh, he you know, he over-dribbles a bit. And now you're adding guys like Deion Waiters who can get his own shot, uh, and you're adding guys like J.R. Smith that can spread the floor, come off screens. And so – um, it's just an opportunity for the Lakers to look different and give LeBron and Anthony Davis more space on the court to do what they do. Uh, and it's talking about Rondo sort of segues nicely into what, what I wanted to touch on, which is, you know, what we expect the rotation to be going into the restart of the regular season and into the playoffs. Um, what I am very excited about is, um, I'm sure you've heard it as well, there's been a lot of buzz about how good Dion Waiters has looked in the bubble and in workouts and stuff. And, you know, during his time in Miami, I know the whole edible incident happened, mm -hmm. you know, towards the end. So that sort of mad. What I thought was a very good stint in Miami. I thought he played really well there. Um, very good spot up shooter, 94th percentile in his time in Miami. So fits him really well with LeBron. Um, JR Smith, we, all, we already know, you know, everyone has that meme of JR. Yep. But obviously, JR was a lot more positive for the Cavs than he was a negative whilst he played there. Yeah. Um, what do you make of the rotation? Let me first ask you this. Um, who do you think will start in place of Avery Bradley, who obviously has um, chosen to be out of the bubble? You know, um, my initial thought is uh, Caruso maybe gets the nod to start. Um, mm -hmm. And what I think is going to happen right now is Frank Vogel is going to play around the rotation in these, you know, quote-unquote preseason games. Um, KCP has found his groove. He's roughly, I think, 20 or so odd minutes a game. He's he's looked great this season versus past seasons. So I don't know if you want to insert him in the lineup and kind of mess up what what you know how well he's played th this year. Um, Dion has just gotten to the team, so I don't know if you want to start him. JR just got to the team. Um, Quinn Cook can shoot, but he's undersized. You know, Avery Bradley at least could bring the ball up the court. He was just another ball handler. And so to me, when you look at who's – available Danny Green's already starting um I would probably start another ball handler and that's that's Alex Grusso and just see how he does um and I'd go from there oh we like it or love it you know we love Alex Caruso in Lakerland you know we make no qualms about how much we love Alex Caruso but you know through not choice but through necessity really um obviously Vogel trusted Rondo a lot we're going to finally see how Alex Caruso will look in extended minutes in, a, in, a, in an NBA team because obviously he's played sparingly the first couple of seasons and you know he's played 15 to 20 minutes a game but obviously with the Rondo injury I think his minutes go up now whether he starts or not um, obviously KCP has started whenever Bradley hasn't played this season so I wouldn't be surprised if they do go that way but I think Caruso will probably get the lion's share of minutes at the one spot as you, mm -hmm. if you can call it the one spot, because, you know, we have LeBron James. So th it's just the other guard spot next to right. Danny Green. Um, but I'm very fascinated to see how 
Frank Vogel makes all these pieces fit because obviously Markeith Morris still hasn't arrived in the bubble yet. Um, another player who I think the Lakers will you know rely upon in the playoffs, um, sort of the junkyard dog, but with a lot of skill. He's a tremendous player, you know, a really nice pickup by Palinka there in in the um, in the free agent deadline, you know, the the waivers. Um, so. What would you, and we touched on it yesterday, um, mentioned again, you know, in the podcast, but I want to ask you, um, you know, in the playoffs, let's say Western Conference finals against the Clippers, what would be your five to close a game? Because I think that's a very interesting, because I think there's a multitude of ways you could go here. So, it, I mean, it really depends on how the Clippers decide to close out also. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they, they probably would run like Trez at the five. And so if, if that means they're growing a bit small. So I'd probably go AD at the five, uh, Markeith at the four, uh, Kuz at the three, and obviously LeBron's on the court probably at, at the one or whatever position LeBron wants to play. And then at that point, Danny Green, you know, and or I'd go whoever's hot, whether that's Danny Green, KCP, JR. At that point, the, the off guard is whoever is hot, whoever's playing well. Um, just to touch on Kuzma, because – I don't know what you think. I'll ask you this. I feel like he's the person that will probably benefit the most from Rondo not playing because I feel like to get the best out of Kuzma, you need to make him engage in the offense. And, you know, Laker, the Lakers, we've had our issues with Rondo. Um, you know, he dribbles the ball for 15 to seconds, 17 mm -hmm. seconds in an offense and whatnot too many times. Um I think this will benefit him really well. What's your opinion on it? Because, you know, Kuzma seems to be like, you either love Kuzma or you hate Kuzma in Laker, you know, in the Laker nation at the moment. So um, what's your take on Kyle Kuzma? No, I mean, I, I think Kuzma was never a great fit with Rondo. That's evident, you know, by the on-off numbers. That's evident by the eye test. So they, they weren't a great fit together. I think one of the things I've said on my podcast is, Kuzma got drafted by a team that was really, really bad. And when he got drafted by this team, it was with Lonzo Ball. They had Brandon Ingram. They had Julius Randle, Josh Hart, Ibiza Zubak. Like, they were building for the future. So, you know, he happened to be really, really good. He was someone no one had heard of, but he was good, right? He won uh, the MVP up in Summer League in Vegas. And so he was good. And then all of a sudden, the Lakers have a chance to get Anthony Davis, and they get they get rid of all those guys, and they they but they kept Kuz. Um, and let me be clear, because people seem to think that they kept Kuz because he was better than Brandon Ingram or something. He, he, <laughs> they kept him because it, this all came down to matching salaries. So Kuz was drafted number twenty seven. The salary at the time was like a million plus. Now I think it's three million. It was a salary thing. So anyway, but. When they drafted Kuz, the team was bad, and they were growing, building for the future. Now, all of a sudden, you get LeBron and Anthony Davis. You're in championship mode right now. Um, so that was a mindset change for him. Not only that, I think he missed the first 11 games of the season, so you know he couldn't work out during offseason because he got hurt. It was just going to take time for him to kind of get his rhythm back. Then the pandemic hit, right? So the season has to shut down, you know, and so – it was. It's going to take time. I, you know, people are saying that he looks a lot better right now. You know, he's probably had time to fully heal because basketball has been suspended for three months. I like Kuz a lot, but it's like anything else. He's got to perform. He's on a, you know, a quote unquote budget contract for the NBA. He certainly outperforms his contract. So the Lakers have to determine if they want to keep him long term. But in terms of this season, Kuz is a guy that can get hot. He can give you thirty. Or he can, you know, shoot th three for ten and and not play great defense. But I think people have unrealistic expectations for him. He's not a twenty point a night, you know, game scorer. You know, he 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 needs to just find his place. Um, and I, I I think he'll be fine. Well, I, I don't know about you, but the biggest surprise for me this year with Kuzma, biggest positive surprise, I'll just add it that way, um, has been. The, he's become a serviceable wing defender. Like, you can tell that the four's not really his spot. He gets a bit overmatched in there. The guys mm. are a bit too strong for him. So he's he's more of a wing in today's NBA. And to be honest with you, I don't think he's been that bad. Um, obviously, offensively, he has his ups and downs. And I think that a lot of that is the fit with Rondo, like you said. Um, mm -hmm. Rondo is a guy who makes Anthony Davis a negative on the defensive end. Yeah. And we all know yep. how difficult that is. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. 
to be a negative in any five with Anthony Davis on the court is ridiculous. So that should tell you everything. Yeah, I mean, and that's important to, to point out. And Kuz has always been a willing defender. He does try hard. I think people have to realize that sometimes, no matter how hard you try, you're never going to be a great defender and you're, or you're never going to be a great offensive player. Like that's just the way it works, but he does try. He's much better at defending threes than he is fours. To your point, he gets overmatched. He, he's not strong enough to defend those bigger guys at the four position, but he can play threes a whole lot better. So I think that's why when they brought in Markeith Morris, I think it's better for Kuz to slide and play the three defensively and let Markeith kind of bang with some of those guys you know, who play the four. And then obviously you've got Anthony Davis or JaVale or Dwight that can guard any five that they want. So, you know. No, it's, it's the, the, like, like, like I mentioned, you know, touch the, the addition of Mikey Morris, I think has been big because yeah. it, it adds a backup four behind AD that you can trust, you know, and obviously they, they see Dudley as just a mentor type person in the MB yeah. in, in, in the rotation at the moment, which is nothing wrong with, you know, Jared Dudley is one of the greatest guys in the NBA. You know, he as is. we see, as we see, he's one of the greatest guys in the NBA. Um, but like you said, it, it, it clears up a lot of rotation issues that the Lakers had because as soon as we get to the playoff time, you can have Markeith Morris at the four, Kuzma can spell LeBron on a wing spot, and then you can have AD at the five, which is where we've seen, obviously, whenever AD's been at the five this season, you've seen the Lakers go up a step when we've played most notably, you saw it straight away the second game of the season against the Utah Jazz. Um, no, was was it the third game? It was a long time ago. It was almost a year ago now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a, a, and AD is a special player. So one of the things that we've seen in bits and pieces is, you know, like in closeout moments and, and against the Clippers, Frank Vogel deploys him on Kawhi Leonard. And Anthony Davis is somebody that he's tall enough and long enough that Kawhi, even though he's really, you know, he's six seven, he's got super long arms, he can't shoot over Anthony Davis as easily as he can everybody else, right? So Anthony Davis is athletic enough, he's quick enough, he's strong enough to stay with these wing guys, you know, but he can also guard the fives. I and mean, we we played Denver, we we saw that some of the sequences he has against Jokic, who's bigger than him, but not nearly as athletic. He's not he, he's just not the player that Anthony Davis is. So Anthony Davis is special. And I think Markeith Morris unlocks a lot of things. Markeith Morris you know, he slots everybody in their rightful positions, I think. You know, that's that's just my I opinion. Agree. And so the Lakers, you know, they were flirting with his brother, uh, Marcus. They wanted him from the Knicks. The Knicks wanted way too much. And Mark Marcus makes 15 million. Markeith makes 3.1. For the Lakers to get Markeith and Markeith to be as good as he is, that that was a steal to me. And when Kuzma's not playing well, to me, Markeith is, is is good enough where you can just play him. Like and and Markeith plays serviceable defense as well. And and like like we've mentioned, um, I think Marcus is a better wing defender, Marcus Morris. But I think Markeith's a lot better inside than what Marcus is. Mm-hmm. Um, either guy would have been great, but to get Markeith for nothing, just to sign yeah. him off the street, essentially. Obviously, it wasn't off the street. The Lakers obviously knew that he'd be interested, and that's why he'd ask for his release, and then the Lakers would sign him. But at the same time, to get him for nothing is, I think, one of the steals of the season. Obviously, you know, the Darren Collison thing left, you know, um, was happened. And obviously, Laker Nation wasn't happy with that. We got Dion Waiters. And I, I just want to segue because you did touch on, you know, the coaching impact and how, you know, everyone slides into the um, the rightful spots mm-hmm. with Markeith Morris. I wanted to touch, touch on the coaching because um, it's been basically a year now since we hired Frank Vogel. A bit, a bit more than a year. Um, we obviously remember the whole, they wanted Monty Williams first and then Ty Lue with his cake in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. thinking he's going to be the Lakers head coach. And then we ended up with Frank Vogel. What do you make of Frank? Because I personally, we'll touch on it later, um, because I, it's a big, um, it's a huge issue for me. But like, like I said, we'll touch on it later. I think Frank's been one of the best coaches in the NBA this season, if not probably the best, because if, I'm sure you remember all the. Um, I'm sh- you definitely remember all the. Um, the Lakers won't win 50 games apart mm-hmm. from LeBron and AD. Who do they have? Um, Danny mm-hmm. Green's the only person that can play defense, which I laughed at. Um, what do you make of Frank Vogel's impact? I mean, Frank Vogel is smart. So, you know, Frank reminds me of Phil Jackson in this regard. 
you know, Phil is to me the greatest coach in all of sports, period. College, professional sports. He's the guy. But what I think is that Frank has done a good job in managing the personalities of the team, which when you talk about pro sports, you know, that's that's one of the biggest things that you need to do. You know, Frank might not be the, the well, he's not the best X's and O's guy, right? But the, the the truth is, you do not need to be this mastermind X's and O's guy when you've got LeBron and Anthony Davis. You just need to not get in the way and you need to manage your, your team properly. So I think Frank does a really good job at managing personalities. Um, he communicates with his players very well. He's clearly built a culture um, with those guys where they respect him. They like him. He's done well with Jason Kidd. You know, Frank, I think Frank was the right guy. Like, I know the Lakers talked to Monty Williams. He went to the Suns. Um, Ty Lue, everyone thought it was going to be him because of his ties to the Lakers as well as to LeBron. Um, but when you look back at this point, Frank Vogel was absolutely the right guy. And the Lakers, they got their guy. That's it. I'm happy that he's in Los Angeles. Well, um, Jabari Davis, you know, shout out to Jabari. Great guy. Um, he, when he t- came onto my podcast, he, he made a beautiful point where he went, it, there was a lot of parallels to the Pete Carroll hiring for USC in, in the way that, you know, there were people, there were four or five options ahead of Pete. And then he just ended up being the right guy in the right time for the right organization. And mm-hmm. I feel like Frank Vogel is exactly the right way. You can see the respect because I want to touch, you know, we're going to touch on this as well. You can see the respect LeBron has for him because LeBron, like J.R. Smith pointed out, LeBron's not micromanaging anymore. He is completely in line with what Frank Vogel says. Obviously, Frank Vogel consults him because you're going to consult arguably the greatest player of all time um, because Mm -hmm. that's just what you should do as a coach, realistically. Um, But I've been really impressed, and I feel like the whole coaching staff in general has been, you know, very underrated in the NBA in general. You know, obviously, Jason Kidd, um, we, we all had our opinions on Jason Kidd um, when, when they hired him as the lead assistant coach. But then you have Lionel Hollins, who, you know, he, mm-hmm. he he's the guy that created the grit and grind era in Memphis. You know, hopefully he's, he's all healthy and, you know, his underlying health conditions and he's safe during this pandemic. And Phil Handy is a top, top assistant coach yeah. as well in the NBA. So, and Mike Pemberby, we, we all know, you know, his um, gravitas coach. as a shooting coach. Precisely, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so when you look at all this, the Lakers coaching staff is actually really impressive when you look at the, the names that we have. And Miles Simon as well works on player development still from the previous coaching staff as well. Um, so I just want to ask you, um, where do you think this whole coaching staff in general ranks in the NBA amongst the best coaching staffs within the NBA itself? I mean, I think the Lakers have a top three defense and um, – for much of the season, they were a top five offense as well. They might still be having looked at the numbers recently. But if you've got a top five defense, top five offense, and you've had the second best record in the NBA all season long, you're either the best or the second best coaching staff in the league, bar none. Your best player is up for MVP. Your second best player is up for defensive player of the year. Like they are one of, if not the best coaching staff in the NBA. Um, to, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, before the season started, there were a number of news outlets, whether it be you know television shows or um, you know podcasts or whatever, saying the Lakers wouldn't even be the fifth seed. The Lakers, you know, would struggle to make the playoffs. The Lakers, this. The Lakers, that. And now that the Lakers have shown that they're one of the best teams in the NBA, it's well, they've got LeBron and Anthony Davis. Well, duh. What did you like, expect? <laughs> they, right. They've got, of course, they've got, of course they were, they were always going to be good. Now, how good? I don't know. Like my expectation was always they'd win 50 games because that's what LeBron teams do. You know, I mean, last year he did me, he got hurt. But if you give LeBron a second dude, that's, you know, a superstar, they're going to win 50 games. And so they happen to gel really quickly. Frank Vogel, has done a great job. His coaching staff has done a great job. It's just that I think that this coaching staff is one of the best in the NBA, and I think Frank Vogel should be up for for Coach of the Year. I don't think that he will get it, um, no. but I think that he should be Coach of the Year. Well, just want to touch on LeBron, and I know you mentioned that he got injured, so he didn't win fifty games. I genuinely believe that LeBron, with that team that we had, would have won fifty games if he didn't get injured against Golden State. 
I mean, they they I, they, they they put a beating on Golden State Christmas Day. Oh, I mean, that, they, that was they, a glorious game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they crushed Golden State. Now they that team wasn't going to win a championship, and they they I think at best they were a second round team last year if everything worked out well. Um, but they were better than people thought. You know, it was but it was going to take time. But now they've and got in, Anthony Davis, and injuries obviously derailed it as well. And you know, yeah. Let's not look for, to the past too much. Let's look looking the right now. Um, I think the most important thing has been the buy-in that LeBron gave for. I know we touched it a little bit, but I just want to touch on it like properly here. Um, the the, the buy-in that Frank Vogel and LeBron, the, the buy-in that LeBron gave Frank Vogel immediately, I feel like was so important for the rest of the team buying into Frank Vogel as well. And you can tell. I know, like like we said, that Frank Vogel super respected by LeBron. It would be easy to see why people would have doubts about it due to, you know, LeBron having issues previously with other coaches, um, David Blatt, Eric Spolster, even Ty Lue, there was, you know, there's, there's always conversations about, you know, how LeBron is, you know, the de facto head coach and GM of every team he's at. Um, but I feel like it, it says a lot about Frank Vogel and LeBron's relationship that LeBron's just going, here you go, Frank, it's your team, you know, you're, you're the coach of this team. Well, look, here's the truth, man. In any industry, you, you might have someone that owns the company or someone that is senior management. But if you've got an employee that is really, really good at what they do, then they need to be at the table with leadership. And LeBron is really, really good at what he does. And so when you've got and not only not only him, Anthony Davis is too. like I know Anthony Davis didn't have a lot of team success in New Orleans. But Anthony Davis is one of the most talented players we've seen over the last 20 years. And so as soon as he came in, also the Lakers organization said, we're going to, we're going to involve him and in, in conversations on how we run this team. And frankly, that sends a message to every other superstar in the NBA. Like you're not just an employee. You've got a seat at the table and we're going to talk to you. The, the final decision rests with Rob Palenka, you know, but we want to have, we want your opinion because we value your opinion. And that's what the Lakers do really, really well. They've always done that with Shaq and Kobe. They did it when Magic and Kareem were playing. That's what they do. And so you talk to LeBron, and LeBron, in turn, you know, he has not been, um, he hasn't been the, the player that people have said that he, you know, in terms of with coaches that he was in, in Cleveland or maybe how he might have been in Miami. But also LeBron is older. Like we all change as we get older. Every year is a different Precisely. year for all of us. LeBron is is accomplished and he what he might also realize is regardless if I win a championship or not I'm comfortable in the legacy that I have and even if I win another one the people who think that I'm better than Mike they're going to think that I'm better than Mike the people who don't think I'm better than Mike are, are going to think I'm not better than Mike like things are what they are and so I think he's at peace at, with where he's at and the Lakers are just really really good and it's fun it's fun to not have to talk about controversy or you know, losing 50 games, but looking at the silver linings in a season and whatnot. It's, you know, don't get me wrong. Those young teams, I really enjoyed watching. And, you know, it makes me really happy to watch Brandon Ingram put up 26 a game in New Orleans and be an all-star. It makes me happy to watch Alonzo, you know, be still as good as he is. And if not, he's got better now because his Mm -hmm. shooting finally looks like it's fixed. Um, But at the same time, it's just... That was it, it. It reminds me a lot of like the Eddie Jones, Nick Van Exel era going into the Shaq and Kobe era. I know mm-hmm. it's a bit more accelerated because we've gone from being a thirty-win team to a we should have been a sixty-win team, you know, barring the pandemic. Um, but at the same time, it's a very exciting era for the Lakers because with AD hopefully signing a long-term extension, which I think you know is mm-hmm. beyond all shadow of a doubt at this point. Um, unless something catastrophic happens, <laughs> right. yep. um, I'm really confident about the Lakers' future, not just this year, but the next four to five years after this, because I feel like we've got the right coach in place, the right general manager slash president of basketball operations, and the right people around them and the right players as well, which I think helps a lot as well. No, look, it does. And it, it was tough for New Orleans to get you know, other players that want to come to New Orleans to play with Anthony Davis, right? Mm-hmm. That won't, as LeBron starts to slow down and when, when he retires, Anthony Davis will still be in his prime. And 
it will not be difficult for Rob Palenka and the Lakers to get players to come to LA because LA is still LA. And at that point, the Lakers, you know, maybe would have won a championship or two. LeBron would have been, you know, on his way out the door. The team will be flushed with cash again, you know, for because of the salary cap. You've got Anthony Davis in his prime. The Lakers will be fine. I, they, they are set up um, for an, another title run, you know, for another five to ten years. And that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's nice not to have to worry about lottery odds and stuff at this time of the season, to be honest with you. It really I said, is. <laughs> I said I said that to um to someone the other day that, you know, I when we were bad, you know, I was looking at, you know, who was being drafted and, and these college kids and all this stuff and what you know, what order the lottery was gonna be, and I don't even pay attention to that stuff anymore. <laughs> You know, it, it, as Laker fans, you know, we never really did anyway. But those last few years, they, we were just so bad. It was like, I don't know. But now I'm glad that it's all about, you know, the playoffs and championships and, and, and superstars, as it should be for the Lakers. No, definitely. And I just want to segue, you touched on, you know, Frank Vogel having an MVP candidate and having a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. And Frank Vogel himself, you know, should be a leading candidate for – Coach of the year, and I, I, I think Palinka is the executive of the year, and it's not particularly close. Um, as well as on top of that, um, but at the same time, I don't think any of the four will get an award. I don't think AD will even be in the first team for all defense. If you look, listen to the buzz around the NBA, which I think is ridiculous in itself, um, what do you make of all this? Because for me, I'm just perplexed by it. It's I've never seen this much of a lack of recognition in any sport for a team this good. It's crazy. So here's part of the thing, man. Um, we talked about this earlier preseason. Every, I mean, almost, I did a video on this um, a couple weeks ago. Um, I should look at my notes on that video, but anyway, I, I looked at like six major outlets, whether ESPN, Bleacher Report, CBS, um, the New York times, and a couple others. Nobody had the Lakers, Lakers ranked in the top five of their rankings going into this, this season. Nobody. And a lot of people thought LeBron was going to fall off, right? And, you know, if if you look at now where we're at, um, the NBA announced that that their season awards are going to be as of when the season was suspended, not, a full, you know, the entire season. So if, if all these journalists who said that Lakers were going to suck during the preseason – come out now and say LeBron's the MVP. Anthony Davis is the defensive player of the year. Vogel is coach of the year. Rob Palenka, who we said didn't know the salary cap, he's executive of the year. <laughs> now, if, if, if they say that, that's them admitting that they were wrong at the beginning of the year. And they were terribly wrong. For, for major outlets to say Rob Palenka didn't know the salary cap, the man, the, <laughs> the man is an attorney. The man was an agent. The man was Kobe Bryant's agent. Kobe Bryant is one of the most was one of the most meticulous players, not just on the court but in business. Dude, did anyone think that he was going to hire a man to run his career that didn't understand, you know, finance? Right? Like the the fact that that was like a major story was ridiculous. And so I think that's part of the reason. Another part of it is, man, like like I said, it's it's almost like if the Lakers do if the Lakers do well, it's well they've got LeBron and Anthony Davis. So Rob Palenka doesn't deserve to get executive of the year, or Frank Vogel doesn't deserve to get coach of the year, right? But then LeBron shouldn't get MVP because well he's got Anthony Davis. Well Anthony Davis shouldn't shouldn't get defensive player of the year because he's not the best player on his team, and the Lakers had the, all these great defensive players. Like I heard Ka Colin Cowherd say the other day, Rondo's a great defensive player. You haven't watched the <laughs> Lakers all year long. Skip Bayless the same thing, and I'm like. You guys don't watch these games. You don't pay attention at all. So anyway, um, they it's just them having to admit that they were wrong, and they're not going to do that. So that's why I think that they won't get they won't win those awards. Okay, the MVP one I sort of understand. Um, Giannis has been like like we touched on before we started recording. I think Giannis has been unreal this season. Seriously phenomenal. So if you want to go Giannis over LeBron for the MVP, I completely understand it well, just because of how good the guy is. Let, let me say this. I agree. If, if you pick Giannis, I'm okay with that. 
I said this to someone also. If you pick Giannis, um, Giannis's team was the same last year as it is this year, except it doesn't have Malcolm Brogdon, right? Like mm-hmm. it's the exact same team, and Giannis is amazing. LeBron has a whole new team. Yes, it's Anthony Davis, but like a whole new team, whole new coaching staff, whole new front office. And for this team to be as good as it is, when everybody said they would not be this good, you know, LeBron leads the league in assist. I think I think the MVP vote is closer than people are trying to say that it is. That's I, I agree with you as well. No, I agree with you as well. I think there's a lot of people that, you know, have been open about how impressed they've been by LeBron. Like you saw Lisa Salters. I don't know if you saw her quote saying that if it was down to her, she obviously doesn't have a vote, but mm-hmm. she obviously knows people that do. And she said if it was down to her and the people that, that, that she knows, that LeBron would be the MVP. I'm just paraphrasing there. I'm not saying, yeah. you know, the exact quote. Um, but the thing for AD is, like, I don't know how you watch Anthony Davis play basketball and be like, he hasn't been the best defensive player in the world this year. Like, that's just me. I watched a ton of the books. I understand how good Giannis is defensively because he's the other guy. But to say Rudy Gobert, like I've heard people try yeah. to say that Rudy Gobert is a better defensive player than Anthony Davis, I think, what are we doing at this point if we're trying to argue this point? Like, it's just anti-Lakers rhetoric for the point of being anti-Lakers. And if we're doing that, then we've lost integrity in actually deciding these awards, in my opinion. Like, you shouldn't be allowed to vote if you're doing it just to be anti-Lakers at this point. But there, there's a lot of that, man. I mean, look. A lot of people are still upset that Anthony Davis left the, the the Pelicans and wanted to come to the Lakers. Like people still don't like that. And the thing is, there's anti-Lakers rhetoric, and then there's there's like anti-player taking taking control of their career rhetoric, right? So a vote against Anthony Davis in favor of like a, a, a Gobert, it's almost like you're voting for that small market guy. Like you know, Gobert is great defensively. Like there's, there's, he's one of the best no, I agree. in a year in, in, in the league. Um, but Anthony Davis is a monster. I mean, he, he simply is. And so, you know, if he, at the very minimum, if he's not first team all defense, then I don't know what people are looking at. Yeah. I, 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 I just don't. So, you know, whatever. There's no player. And now that we're on AD's defensive capabilities, I'm sure you'll agree with this. There's no player that can guard one through five in the entire NBA apart from Anthony Davis. He's the only one. And the only, have... the only oh, person I would say, if he wasn't, you know, if he was healthy and a year or two younger, was Draymond. Draymond mm-hmm. was the guy that I could say would go one through five in today's NBA. Um, but you're not going to tell me there are five better defensive players than Anthony Davis. I mean, no. you can argue Kawhi. You know, it would just you can. You can argue Kawhi, you can argue Giannis, and after that, I like you're not going to tell me Gobert is better than than Anthony Davis defensively. No way. Because you can you can play Gobert off the court. You can't play Anthony Davis off the court. No, because he'll just switch on to your guard if you try and put him into a right. pick and roll situation. Or yep. and then we we seen it like like you touched on earlier, which is the biggest takeaway I've taken from is whenever Kawhi has been guarded by LeBron or AD. Kawhi hasn't been Kawhi. He's been largely stifled. Um, obviously, he he makes shots because he's a superstar. Like I don't want to say you know superstars make tough shots. Like that's what makes them superstars. But defensively, AD and LeBron to a major extent when they guard Kawhi take him out the game at times, which is huge, especially in a playoff atmosphere. You need players like that. And when you have your six foot ten, six eleven guy doing that, who should be guarding big guys traditionally, that's a huge advantage to have for the Lakers. You know, like I think about Giannis, right? And Giannis is amazing. That game that the Bucks beat us, Giannis hit five three pointers. He shot five of eight. That's Giannis's best three point shooting game in his career. And if he's got to hit five three pointers in a game to beat us, they're not going to beat us. That that's not going to happen consistently. Now, what I love about the Lakers is that. You know, everyone talks about the Clippers and having two of the best wing defenders in the NBA. They do. Paul George and Kawhi are amazing. But the Lakers have LeBron and Anthony Davis. And when you go up against like Giannis, if we were to match up against them in the finals, Giannis, he can overpower everybody in pretty much the NBA, but he can't overpower LeBron. LeBron's bigger and stronger than he is, right? 
but Giannis can shoot over most people in the NBA, but he can't shoot over Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis is athletic enough to stop him. So the Lakers have two players that are different, have different body types that can match up against Giannis depending on how he decides to play in a particular game or particular setting. I think when you're looking at Kawhi, same thing. LeBron's bigger and stronger than Kawhi. Kawhi's going to hit shots because Kawhi, to your point, is a superstar. You, that's just I've always said good offense beats good defense any day of the week. Um, but LeBron can – you see it in those games against the Clippers. When LeBron wants to you know, put the clamps on somebody, LeBron can, so, can certainly do so. Same with Anthony Davis. When the Lakers decide to switch Anthony Davis on, on Kawhi for certain situations, Kawhi can't – he's not – Kawhi is not more athletic than Anthony Davis, so he cannot blow by him, and he can't shoot over him. And so the Lakers can do a few things defensively that other teams can't. Um, and so I, I love our chances against any of these any of these teams, any of these guys. No, and it's a fascinating conversation to have because I, for one, um, especially when LeBron joined, uh, obviously he's had the injury, so people have doubted him even more. I didn't think he'd still be. I think he's still the best player in the game. By the way, I, I genuinely do. I think, and, and, I, and I, the worst thing is, I don't think it's close. I think Giannis is phenomenal, but I still think LeBron is just in a league of his own still. Which mm-hmm. at thirty-five, to play seventeen years in the NBA, basically have one spell off in your entire career due to injury, and still be this good with the amount of minutes that this guy's logged, and we're talking regular season and playoff minutes. Yeah. Is crazy. Like this shouldn't happen. Like, look at everyone else in his draft class. They're either retired or they're playing bit part roles in the NBA, which is crazy. It's. I know I keep on saying saying it, but it truly is. Like, there's there's been nothing like this ever in the NBA. Well, there's been something like it, and I don't. People don't talk about it enough. Kobe's year seventeen when before he tore his Achilles, oh, he was averaging right. twenty seven no, no, five right. and five. He was on a tear. I think he had twelve game winners that year. You know, he was he was dragging that Lakers team to the playoffs and then he Until tore, his, tore Achilles. his Achilles. Right. I mean, and so uh, I think sometimes that gets lost in Kobe's story because of the mm-hmm. tearing of the Achilles and then coming back and all that stuff. But um, what LeBron is doing, it is amazing. And Giannis is special. I mean, Giannis is Giannis. Uh, um, but LeBron has been able to extend his career. Uh, he He is not LeBron that he was in Miami, clearly. He's lost a step. But LeBron losing a step, he's still better than like 99% of the NBA. And that's that's crazy. Um, it is. The man, no, it is. The, the man knows how to take care of his body. And fortunately, he hasn't had any major injuries. He had the groin pull last year. Um, but he's he's been amazing this year. And the Lakers, I think the Lakers won a championship. So, <laughs> uh, Just to touch on LeBron again, um, I, I don't even – I think he's lost half a step. Which 17 years in, I know we're going into semantics here, but when you're 17 years in and we're still talking about you even being in the conversation for the best player in the NBA, when the talent level's this high in the National Basketball Association, because I think people forget just how many talented players there are now. Like, you know, when you look at, you know, especially the young players, you got like the likes of Zion Williamson coming in, John mm-hmm. Moran, Luka Doncic, you know. We've got superstars coming into the NBA now, so it's not like there's a dearth of talent. I, I, I personally believe the talent's never been higher, the talent level in the NBA. So when LeBron at year 17 is as impactful as he is, and then you have, in my opinion, a top five player next to him in Anthony Davis, um, best big guy in the NBA, in my mm-hmm. opinion as well, um, it's a scary thought for a lot of teams, man. And you know what? I'm Like you said, I'm very confident, and I think... I didn't expect us to gel so quickly, but now that we have, I would probably put us as the favorites to win this NBA championship, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I I, I certainly would. And I think I think in terms of best player, there's a part of me that believes that a KD never gets hurt. KD's probably the best player in the NBA at this point. Like mm-hmm. I think we forget about him. And, and I, you know, when he whenever he comes back from his Achilles, I don't think he, he looks the same, but Everyone talks about Giannis, kind of like Giannis being that the, the the best player or the next guy after LeBron. It was Kevin Durant, and it you know, yeah, no, I agree. I, 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 I think agree. this would have been Kevin's window had he not gotten hurt. Um, but yeah, Lakers are going to win the championship, and it's a nice feeling to have to be this confident going into the season, going into the playoffs, though, because you know, for seven, I know it's not been a r- long time for most franchises because like. 
it's been seven years. It's not, it's yeah. really not that long. But for Lakers, for us, it feels like it's been an eternity because I don't think we've ever been this bad. So when you are, when you go from the peaks of Kobe and like you said, year 17 Kobe until he tore his Achilles, mm-hmm. um, when he basically said, this team's making the playoffs, I don't care how we're mm-hmm. making the playoffs, you know, it's, it's a joy to watch him. And to be honest with you, anything but a championship would feel like a disappointment to me. And I didn't expect to feel this way at the start of the season. I thought we'd be really good. I thought we'd challenge. But because we've gelled so quickly and we look so good, and obviously the two games against the Clippers and the Bucks before the pandemic ended helped a lot with that belief that we could beat the best teams because it wasn't that we just beat them. I thought we were much better than them in both games against the Bucks and the Clippers. It, it just looked like we took an extra level up that game, whereas they, those two teams stayed at the level they were at. Now, obviously, they could improve. You know, they they have phenomenal players: Giannis, Kawhi, Paul George, Chris Middleton. The, 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 they're very deep. Both teams as well. You know, we obviously know about Brook Lopez. Then you go into Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, and the Clippers as well. But I'm really like, I, I I'm so excited to see how. I know we touched on it at the start, so just to round it all up, I'm really excited to see how it all meshes together in the bubble now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to take them a little bit of time, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, if any team can come together quickly, it'll be this Lakers team. Definitely, definitely. And and just to, just to round things off, um, I always get the new guests ever since, you know, the, the tragic passing of Kobe Bryant. I, I try and get them to talk about their favorite Kobe moment of all time. I know I sprung it on you because I like doing it that way because this way I get to see people's actual favorite moment instead of them thinking about it for a few days. So I just want to ask you before we round it all off, Alex, what is your favorite Kobe moment of all time? I mean, it. I was at his last game, his sixty. I mean, his sixty-point game. I had. I had, so um, my wife and I got married that year. We we got married in Jamaica, and um, then we flew to LA. And we spent five days there and um, we, we, we stayed right across the street from Staples Center and we were there for the whole, it was like all these celebrations going on that entire week for Kobe. And we were in the building and um, Mitch Kupchak was sitting behind us. Paul Abdul was in front of us. You could, Jay-Z was across the court from us. Shaq was like down in front of us. Um, And to be in that building, first off to even like, so to get in, I've never waited so long to get into a, an arena. Like, you know, we had good seats, but it was like, it took us three hours to even get in. It was crazy what it was like getting into Staples that day. And then, um, we got in and when he came out, you're, you know, you're just thinking, let's just see if he gets 20 points, you know, in his final game, like 20 points. Cool. You know, by Kobe, the man gets to like 30. Well, he starts the game off. He's missing shots. You know, like, I just hope it's not a bad night, but he gets like 20, like, oh, okay, great. Can he get to 30? Then he gets to 30, and the Lakers are down most of that game. And then, like, he gets to 40, and you're like, is he going to get to 50? And then he gets there, and you, and it's just like, this is like, I'm getting chills still thinking about it. Like, is he going to get to 60? And <laughs> you could just, like, the Lakers were down, and he just starts hitting these – he hits these shots that like he hasn't hit since like Pete Kobe. He's just hitting these ridiculous three pointers and these fadeaways. He's completely out of gas, and the crowd is going nuts. I'm going nuts. Um, and it's a feeling that I can't even explain. Like if you weren't in the building, like I know people watched it on TV, but like I thank God that we had an opportunity to be there and to experience it. Certainly now that he's gone, but like to be in that building and to watch not only the fans, but to see like Shaq going crazy, to see Jay-Z going crazy over these shots that this, this man is hitting. Um, you know, I'm old enough that I, I saw, I saw Kobe come into the NBA. I saw his greatest moments. I saw him tear his Achilles. I saw him kind of not be himself anymore. And I've seen a generation of fans not get to see what he was when he was like, the baddest man on the court. And that game was almost like a reminder of what it was like watching him night in and night out. Like there was a window in time where any given night he could go for 60 
And he did that night. And that was, you know, to be a part of that, to be in that arena. Um, I, it was just, it was just crazy. So that it's that moment. Yeah, that, that, that's a, that's an awesome story. Cause uh, I think you're the, one of the first people I've talked to who were in the arena mm-hmm. during that. You and Aaron Lasol, I think was there as well. Um, if I'm not mistaken, um, but still what incredible. And, you know, you see these debates all the time about whether Kobe was a top 10 player of all time and whatnot. And I'm just like, stop it. Of course he was like, you obviously let the last two years of his career influence mm-hmm. that decision too much when he was just broken um, as a, just as a basketball player. Um, but like you said, but the beautiful thing about Kobe is there's so many memories to choose from. There really is. And it feels crazy to be talking about him, even still, like it's been six months almost since, you know, he passed away. It's still crazy to talk about him in the past tense and not in the present tense. You know what I mean? It, you know, I, the week that he passed away, I was at Madison Square Garden for the Lakers game. And then I was at the Wells Fargo Arena for the Philly game where the LeBron passed Kobe on the all-time scoring chart. Mm -hmm. So we were at that game. And um, Lakers lost, but LeBron passes him. And then, you know, Kobe tweets that, that I think his final tweet, you know, about LeBron passing him and, and continuing the game. And then that Sunday morning, you know, we're on our way home. And my wife is like, you need to pull over. And I'm like, why? What's going on? She's like, you need to pull over. And I'm thinking something with like our family or whatever. And she's like, people are saying Kobe died. And I'm like, huh? And so she's saying, yeah, TMZ is reporting it. And I'm just thinking TMZ gets things wrong. You know, they were saying Rick Fox was involved. Obviously Rick Fox was not. So, um, and then like people are calling my phone because they know I have a Lakers podcast and I'm a big fan and I'm not answering. I'm still trying to figure out what's going on. So we're driving and then we turn on, um, I think ESPN radio on Sirius or whatever. And I think like Woj or somebody comes on and they're like, you know, yeah, we confirm, he was in this helicopter. We don't know everyone that was in, but you know, we know he was in it. And so like, then people start calling my wife and they're like, does, does Alex know? And she's like, yeah, he knows, you know, and we're driving, we're driving. And I just burst into tears and it was like, I lost a family member and, yeah. um, and I did lose a family member, you know, that he, he was in my living room or my bedroom every day for over 20 years. You know what I'm saying? Like I spent hours watching this man play. I spent hours looking at his stats. I spent hours watching clips on YouTube. And so to hear that he died the way that he died, it was just like, and then with his daughter and then I think seven or eight other people, you know, and it was just, it was so overwhelming. Um, and so like, it was, it was, it was devastating to me. Like I had to go to work the next day. I went to a meeting and then I came home. Like I, I just, I, my mind was just, I, I, it was just devastating. I was fortunate enough to get tickets to his memorial. Um, but stable center didn't tell me until like, they told me the night before. And at that point it was just like, all right, am I going to hop on a plane and go out there? Um, and I, I considered it. In hindsight, I'm, I am glad I didn't um, because a couple weeks later, coronavirus blows up. And so to have then been on a plane and, and back, you know, I, that would have been scary. Um, but I wish that I would have been able to, to actually get into to go to his memorial. But um, it's devastating that the man is gone, you know. Um, but it just goes to show you, you just you never know. You never know. Precisely. And, and as you can see above me. Um, because the people who aren't see, I've always got the two Jersey. Kobe jerseys. I've had that ever since we moved to this house. Um, so I, I'm exactly the same when it comes to um, the reaction. And to be honest with you, the amount of adversity this Laker team has faced from the start of the season, from the, the situation in China, mm-hmm. to then the whole thing with Kobe, and then the pandemic hitting, obviously. And for them to still be as positive and... Um, and as upbeat and as together as they have been has been one of the stories of the NBA in, in all of its history to me. And, you know, it, it's, it, 
I feel like LeBron was the right person to have in the aftermath of all this, to be honest with you, because I feel like he led, and obviously Rob Palinka was there and Genie yeah. and that, but from a player standpoint, I feel like he was absolutely the right person to have um, to move into this era of no Kobe in the world, which is so crazy. You know, I laugh because I'm still incredulous about it. Um, no Kobe in the world, it's still crazy to think about, to be honest with you. Yeah, there there are some parallels between LeBron and Kobe, both coming from high school, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, both certainly living up to what, you know, their careers were supposed to be. Um, and, you know, as much as, you know, we all wish we would have gotten to see a LeBron Kobe finals, you know, probably the year that the Magic made it to the finals. We mm -hmm. all wish that we would have seen LeBron versus Kobe, um, you know, having LeBron, I think, speak and he clearly spoke from the heart. He was devastated, obviously. I think him and Kobe formed a bond when they played on the Redeem team and Team USA, and they won. Um, I think LeBron benefited from playing with Kobe on the Team USA. Team USA, um, and you know, I hope the Lakers win a championship. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that, you know, they do not have to win one for Kobe, but I, I would imagine that the players in that organization would love to win one for Kobe. Uh, and people talk about an asterisk championship. Whoever wins this championship would have overcome more than any other champion because of the pandemic. But the Lakers, having, having to overcome losing one of the biggest celebrities ever and certainly so closely attached to the franchise with his daughter, um, overcoming the pandemic, um, what the Lakers would have had to overcome to win, I think, would have been unprecedented. So... I'm sure they would want to win one for Kobe. I think that would be special. But if they don't win it, by no means is that a letdown um, for Kobe or for the organization. Uh, they've got a lot that they've had to deal with. And so I understand, you know, it just maybe it just wouldn't be their year. But I, I just feel like they're going to pull this thing out. Um, and if they win it, there's going to be a lot of tears, I think, from Lakers fans um, for this one. Because this one, this will be, be different. This will be different. And I agree, and I think that's a beautiful, beautiful point to end on. Alex, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Oh, um, Almost an hour has completely flown by here. It's not felt like that whatsoever. Um, just tell the people where they can find you, and this is your moment. Go. Yeah, you know, I, I host the Laker Central podcast. You can find that on Spotify, iTunes, Google Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, everywhere. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter. Um, my personal Twitter account is Laker Central uh, CEO. That's Laker without an S, Laker Central CEO. And then the Laker Central podcast, you can follow that uh, on Twitter at Laker Central uh, 365. Same thing on Instagram at Laker Central 365. Oh, thank you so much for coming on, man. I've really enjoyed this. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me. Oh, thank you to everyone listening. Be sure to leave my podcast and Alex's podcast a five-star review. Every review is more than helps us. Um, have a nice evening or day whenever you're listening to this. Take care.